Hey Retro Gamers, today on Smashing Bricks, we have our vacation on lovely Isle Delfino ruined in the 2002 GameCube platformer Super Mario Sunshine. Hey, welcome back to Smashing Bricks, a retro gaming podcast. This is episode 14. My name is Eddie Anzotto, and today I'm joined by returning guest, Sadie Flea, the PR Slayer. What's up, Sadie? (laughs) I think it's weird for me to hear that from you, because that sounds like um, my old universe saying things from my current new universe. So ah. that is like my nickname now, um, but that is not a nickname from before, so it's just odd. But yes, my long-winded answer to your question is, I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Eddie? Great. I'm doing great. And I just want to know, you are a PR slayer, right? <laughs> I am a PR slayer, or um, to use my official title, a PR manager at Konami Digital Entertainment, working on the nice. Yu-Gi-Oh brand, as I've been doing for the last two years. Awesome. Yeah, we talked all about it last time. Super cool. Anyway, um, in the past uh, few weeks, past month really, we have both been playing Super Mario Sunshine. Oh my goodness. We were so excited. This is the second time we're talking about a Mario game on this podcast, and it's the second time it's sort of an odd duck, right? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't you you couldn't pick two other ducks in the Mario franchise than Super Mario Brothers Two and Super Mario Sunshine. Um, they yeah. are not like their siblings. Right. So, just a real quick overview of what Super Mario Sunshine is for people who don't know, because some people may not know. It's a 3D platformer for the GameCube, released in 2002, which was six whole years after the historic Super Mario 64 that made a gigantic splash and ushered in the 3D era of video games. And it was the longest in history that the people of Earth have ever gone without a new Mario game. Mario got a new central gameplay mechanic, which was a multi-use water backpack primarily providing a water sprayer and a hover ability and found himself on a tropical island and the game sort of borrowed the same structure as super mario 64 you think that covers it as like a quick and dirty description yeah i think so and that is a incredible fact i did i was not aware of i mean I and now that you've said it was six years after Mario sixty four, and that's the longest. That is actually a really fascinating, a really fascinating fact, and um, I think we'll get into a lot of the ways and whys I imagine about that. Yeah. Okay, so to to go on to our normal game history, we have Super Mario Sunshine released in July of two thousand two in Japan, and then on August twenty sixth. 2002 in North America. That's a very special day. And then October 4th, 2002 in EU. And it was for the GameCube. 
Um, this was, of course, created by Nintendo EAD, which stands for Entertainment Analysis and Development Division, which was formerly R&D4, Historic Development Team at Nintendo. Um, this time directed by Yoshiaki Koizumi, um, who had previously been the assistant director on Super Mario 64 and also literally wrote the origin story of the Zelda universe in the Link to the Past manual and wrote the story for Link's Awakening and worked on Super Mario Kart and Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island and was a designer and director for Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, later an assistant director on Wind Waker, the director of Super Mario Galaxy, etc., etc. So Koizumi is not the most popular name at Nintendo, but if I were creating one of those t-shirts that has like the names of a bunch of people in like a an art on them, he would be on there. You ever see those shirts? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think he would go on mine too. I mean, director of Super Mario Galaxy is pretty impressive as a thing, just not the same. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I look forward to the day that we get to come to Super Mario Galaxy on the show. Um, but <laughs> that's not today. Today we're doing Sunshine, which is just as good, maybe. Maybe not. Um. <laughs> This game also had a co-director, Kenta Usui, who I've literally never heard of, but he also worked on numerous Mario and Zelda games, mostly in level design and dungeon design, both before and after Super Mario Sunshine. Um, Miyamoto, Shigeru Miyamoto, and Takashi Tezuka, or who are two other names who go on the aforementioned shirt, by the way, were producers on this game. And Koji Kondo, of course, composed the island tunes our ears were treated to while playing. And um, one last little factoid about the people involved is that this was the first Mario title under Iwata's presidency at Nintendo. And the very last request by Hiroshi Yamauchi before he retired. He wanted a Mario game for the GameCube. Yeah, um, I mean, that is kind of a, a very cool fact actually that this was the, the first Mario title on the Satoru Iwata's presidency um, it's weird to think that's how far back Satoru Iwata's presidency went mm. very very cool yeah yeah he wasn't just uh, developing games at this point he was already the president of the company so this was the next game after Super Mario 64 as I said but do you remember that there was a Super Mario 64 sequel in development that they mentioned in a few interviews between Mario 64 and Sunshine? I'm going to pull back the curtains a little bit and, and say, like, I can see what you're about to say about this stuff here, Eddie. This was all brand new information to me before coming into this game, and playing it um, for your podcast. So I was not aware about another sequel to Mario 64. I didn't know oh. that. Um, I didn't know that it was scrapped or cancelled. Um, I think this is a period of, you know, like, I don't know how you feel, but um, or, or, or look back in kind of gaming history, but, but for me there are bits where I just wasn't into gaming as much, and those bits are fairly sort of 
kind of the, the, the history around them are a little bit um, frayed around the edges. Um, and this is one of those bits where I just maybe was moving away from gaming a little bit. Um, certainly the GameCube era, I, I, I maybe had a couple of years out and it all kind of switched to PlayStation anyway, PlayStation 2. Um, so I just don't know. I didn't know this history. I didn't know about um, the sequel. Um, I didn't know about this length of time that it took. So I don't want to spoil what you're saying here, but it, I, I just wanted to underline this actually is brand new information to me. Oh, awesome. And it may very well be brand new information to a lot of people. I, on the other hand, at this time in history, was the most tapped in probably I had ever been, even considering I did video game journalism later on. <laughs> I was like super into everything, tried to know everything I could. And uh, what was happening between 97 and the release of Sunshine in 2002, is they originally had a, a sequel to Mario 64 in development as early as 97, but it was planned for the 64DD add-on for the Nintendo 64, which was a failure, pretty much, to put it bluntly. They released a few things for it in Japan, never released it worldwide, uh, scrapped a handful of games, I'm still waiting for Earthbound 64. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately Super Mario 64 2 was scrapped. Then when they were showing off the Dolphin, aka the GameCube, that was its um, code name in development, they had a tech demo in 2000 for Mario 128, where 128 Marios fell onto this platform and walked around and did some gravity stuff that we later saw in Mario Galaxy, some things that we saw later in Pikmin. But even this did not turn into a game per se, even though a lot of people thought that this was, again, the sequel to Super Mario 64 and were really hyped about it for the GameCube. So Sunshine was developed separately from this, and it was first shown at Space World 2001, and then again at E3 2002, which was just a few months before its launch. Uh, I think E3 was in May, and uh, the game launched in July in Japan. There isn't much development time for this game, right? Like, it was a very short development window. Yeah, well, I guess uh, when you think about Nintendo games... It definitely seems like a shorter development window, right? Because Nintendo tends to keep their games in development for many years and right. and really build something big and new for their major franchises. I think is that that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Yes. Yeah, this one just kind of started in August 2000, so it was less than two years. And they built it off of this idea of Mario having a, a water gun squirt gun water pistol as uh, koizumi called it and they built the game kind of around that they considered 10 designs for his water pistol and they ended up going with the flood backpack which we'll talk about in the gameplay apparently apparently that wasn't um the favorite the flood backpack was chosen because it was the most appropriate for the setting Yes. Which is... Yeah, it kind of matched the island. Yeah. Yeah. And it, there was even a different one in that 2001 Space World demo 
but they didn't actually show it working. It was just on his back, and people were left to speculate about this contraption. And the reason... (laughs) This is hilarious to me. The reason they didn't show it spraying water was because they were afraid that somebody would steal this brilliant idea. Um, (laughs) They really... they. I don't want to give away my feeling about it, but um, that was why they didn't show it at first. And uh, they went from the foundational water pistol concept and ended up with this sprayer for a couple of reasons, like we both said. And then the the reason for the sprayer came afterward. They just had that and they're like, we're going to use this, but we need a reason for him to have it. Why should he have a water sprayer? So they came up with graffiti and the mud all over everything and having to clean it up. And they went with this summery sort of tropical island setting because, of course, a water pistol goes with that. You know, you shoot water guns at people. It's uh, summertime. It It all sounds a lot like the reverse of how I would create a game. (laughs) Um, you know like it's strange that the core of the game has come from the basis of the water sprayer it's very interesting to me yeah it is it is kind of nuts and at first it was even less like its predecessor super mario 64 but they decided to take a little bit of a conservative step and bring it back to that familiar structure after these experimental beginnings that it kind of had and um they turned the pistol into that backpack not only because it was appropriate to the setting but also to not bring imagery of real life guns um maybe because of their past with the light gun for the nes that everyone decried as looking too much like a gun in 1988 (laughs) um so they were avoiding that again i suppose (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was a different time, though. I think they could have had a water gun if they wanted to. I think so. Reception at the time was very good. Metacritic scores 92% overall. Famitsu gave it a 37 out of 40, got a 9.4 from IGN, an 8 from GameSpot, a 9.5 from EGM, a 9 from Eurogamer, a 9.75 from Game Informer, and a 10 from CVG. Uh, so, so people... Loved it. A lot of people did. When you were preparing for the show and you and you, you know, looked up all these review scores, was that what you were expecting to find? Because in my head, to spoil it for you, and this isn't my own thoughts, this is just me, my perception of how the world of gaming perceives this game. Like it's not in my head a ninety-two. Like that is not how history has framed this game it's not a 92 on metacritic it's that's just you know not how i think it was been remembered by people but the the numbers are there you said 10 for cvg 9 for eurogamer and 37 for famitsu it was really well reviewed at the time yeah yeah it was and like you i recall in my made-up brain world that people didn't love it but maybe we're recalling people pushing back on it years down the road because Mm. like you said history seems to 
not look as fondly at this Mario compared to other Marios, despite these reviews. And interestingly, GameSpot awarded it Best Platformer on GameCube that year and Most Disappointing GameCube Game. So what happened there? Very weird. That yeah. is a weird one. Yeah, and we had superlatives like Best Mario Game Ever or Better Than Super Mario 64 coming from a few publications. Meanwhile, Jeff Gertzman said that the game felt rushed and that the Flood Backpack and Yoshi were mere gimmicks. And someone else who we're familiar with, Mike Bracken over at Game Critics, gave the game a 6 out of 10, citing lack of innovation, Flood as a gimmick, and the new manual control system contributing to an overall disappointing game. Okay. Those are two excellent names to pick out from from uh, from there. Jeff Gerson, of course, going on to to found Giant Bomb and 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 continuing to be a massive voice in the games journalism industry. And now Mike Bracken is uh, the horror geek on YouTube and has this incredible following that uh, he was destined to have as this uh, mm-hmm. bastion of all things horror. I mean, the man has ridiculous amount of knowledge of horror movies, but. Um, yeah, not surprised to see Mike be critical, um, but maybe interested to see that he seemed to be an outlier um, mm-hmm. at the time, which is, uh, and Jeff Gessman, it seems as well. Yeah, but um, what did the customers say? So the game sold 400,000 units in four days in Japan. These numbers are incredibly small by today's standards, obviously. Um, but at the time, this is what they were. In the U.S., they did 350,000 in 10 days. But I guess it surpassed GTA 3, Halo, and Super Mario 64 launch numbers. So it was good. And in Europe, they sold 175,000 in a week, making it overall the 10th best-selling game of 2002. Not typically what you expect from a Mario game, right? 10th best of a year. It's interesting, though, because I remember um, back a million years ago when we talked about um, Super Mario Galaxy on the Big Red Potion podcast, um, we were a little surprised by its sales numbers and how they were dwarfed by new Super Mario Brothers on the Wii. Mm. And I don't think the 3D Mario games have traditionally been amazingly massive sellers compared mm. to New Super Mario Brothers, and I remember being really surprised by that. So I don't know, maybe this is good or maybe it isn't, but it's not a huge numbers either way. Yeah, and actually Iwata said the following year that Sunshine's sales didn't meet their expectations. So that's a data point for us. Iwata was disappointed right off the bat. Started as president, immediately disappointed. <laughs> yeah. um, overall, though, by... Uh, July 2006, the game had sold 5.5 million, and by 2015, it had sold 6.28 million. So that's a long time, 2015. But ultimately, it's the third best-selling game on GameCube behind Super Smash Bros. Melee and Mario Kart Double Dash. Also, basically, Mario games. But that's pretty strong. Like, those are... Super Smash Bros. Melee is a is is a fantastic video game, 
and probably the the, the formative Smash Brothers game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that should be the number one on GameCube. But Mario Kart is always going to be hard to beat. It did well. Six million is more than I would have expected it to sell, actually. Mm-hmm. So, to put the growth of the gaming industry in perspective, we had a re-release of this game along with. What else was on there? Galaxy and Super Mario 64 on Super Mario 3D All-Stars for the Switch in 2020? Were those the three games? Those are the three games. That's how um, I've been playing it, going back to it on on the Switch version. So you've been playing on a game card, slash download, I think, that has sold 9.1 million copies. Which kind of puts to to rest my theory about 3d games not selling that well on the future systems clearly mm. that's that's not true um but it's, it's i mean that's huge and the super mario 3d all-stars brings the games to the switch uh in hd for the first time right that is a huge part of the success but also i i wonder which of the three games are people buying that game for like are they buying it for Galaxy or for 64 yes or for and Sunshine, yes. which probably not. Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, I think one of the most important things to note about Super Mario 3D All Stars is that it's Mario games from three separate consoles. So it will attract anyone who missed any one of those three consoles the 64, the GameCube, or the Wii. That's a great point. That is probably why it's done so well. So that brings us to the end of our history lesson and to our (laughs) prior relationship with Super Mario Sunshine. Well, yeah, so as I kind of intimated that earlier, um, I didn't have a GameCube. Um, I didn't actually really have an N64. I borrowed um, my cousin's N64 for a very long time. Um, before I gave it back. And in that time, I played Ocarina of Time and Super Mario 64 and and uh, and absolutely loved them and loved that system. But the GameCube, I remember the same cousin had that system, but I remember coming around to his and, and not being as enamored by it. Like, to me, that system, it was the Super Smash Bros. console. That's what we played Super Smash Bros. on. Um, mm. And I remember playing a bit of Sunshine and just not getting it, hmm. which is weird, right? Because I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, I, you know, coming back to Sunshine now, you can see the uh, uh, allegory with Super Mario 64. It does feel like a Super Mario 64 sequel. But to me, at that time, I just didn't click despite really liking Super Mario 64. So Mm -hmm. I think I probably played an hour or two, um, or maybe watched him play an hour or two, and was like, eh, I'll play it at some point, I guess. And I just didn't really have an opportunity to play much GameCube. You never Um, did. I never did. Um, And it just kind of, you know, we talked about how gaming uh, community at large has kind of consigned this game to a certain place in history. I think in my head, I consigned it to a certain place in my kind of own library of Mario. Um, 
based on just those two hours, like I, I had decided I was this was not a good game and I didn't want to play it. So um, it's interesting because, as we'll get into, I don't think I really gave it a fair shake. Um, mm. But I also, I wonder how I would have found it if I'd have played it more back then compared to really experiencing it for the first time now. So, yeah, anyway, that's me. How mm. about you? What was your experience Um with Super Mario Sunshine. Well, as I said, I was super tapped in at this point and was a big Nintendo fan. I loved the Nintendo 64. I was super hyped for the GameCube. I got the GameCube at launch, and I got Super Mario Sunshine at its launch, probably day of. And I played it, and I played the heck out of it. And I don't fully recall the specifics, but I'm pretty sure I enjoyed it, defended it from the naysayers, but also felt like it wasn't as good as Super Mario 64 when I was playing it. And I played the heck out of it. Like, I put in my old GameCube memory card to play it again for this episode, and I had 120 shines on my one phone. And then I had like eight on the second file. So I have not revisited it other than a few shines until we played it again. But I must have really dug it, you know? You you must have. To have got all 120 shines. This game, is, you know, to get all 120 things, the Mario game is, is obviously the kind of the gold standard for completion. But to do it in sunshine is bonkers. Um, so um, you must have at the time liked it enough to gone through some of the things you have to do to get those 120 shines yeah yeah I remember having opinions about the flood (laughs) and I do remember thinking that the secret areas were the best part because they were the most real Mario game in this Mario game but um, I'm pretty sure I, I really dug it overall. Now, here we are replaying it. And we've <laughs> got to go in depth and see if these old feelings and old recollections have held up. And, in your case, see how the game holds up for a first play so many years later. I think it's important to kind of frame this in, in the way of a sequel to Super Mario 64. Mm-hmm. So that game is, is, I think, the first of a line of three, if you include Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, which has this kind of hub world, right? Where, right. you know, you can jump into levels. In Super Mario 64, you're jumping into um, paintings on the wall where the walls are in. You're, you're in this big castle, but I think it's Princess Peach's castle, and you're jumping into paintings on the wall um, and going into walls. In um, Galaxy, you're being flung into space by stars. Um, In both those games, you can do multiple different things in a level. And each time you do one of these missions successfully, you get something. In Sunshine, it is the star shines. Yes, Super Mario Sunshine follows the same idea of a hub world. 
um, which is the uh, Isle of Delfino. Um, this holiday destination, which um, you kind of described at the beginning. Yeah, it's like a little port town. Yes. Uh, it's a it's a seaside town with a brand new race to the Mario franchise who have very big noses and um, I don't really know how to describe them. They're kind of fish-like? I don't know, squid-like, octopus-like? How do you describe Marshmallow-like? them? Marshmallow-like? I don't <laughs> Hard to say. It's, yeah. They're almost like that, Um, what was that? There was a drawing, Kilroy, sticking his nose over the over the wall during the war. Do you know? What <laughs> yes, about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, they look like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's it's, a it's, deep deep cut to high school social studies class. It's <laughs> it's, it's a good one there. I like to. Um, so yeah, um, to get back to the structure, then you have these. Uh, I think in in sunshine. It's walls that you jump through by paint being on them or something. Is it? There's a few different ways. You run into areas on Isle Delfino in this town that will lead you to the levels, but they're not all the same. A couple of them are are like M-shaped glowy portals that are very reminiscent to jumping into the paintings and they kind of suck you in. And then another one is a cannon that shoots you to an island off in the distance. Another one is a warp pipe on the roof. Another one's another warp pipe. Another one you walk into a into the mountain. That's the last level. But yeah, it's just different portals around this town that bring you to the other worlds, which are not worlds. They're just other points on the island, sort of deeper on the island or on the other coast or whatever. And there aren't a lot of them. No, that's the big thing. So, like, I, I I was surprised by that because immediately I recognized this kind of basic structure, you know, from Mary 64 especially, and and seeing and, and also coming back in Galaxy. And in both those games, there are loads of different walls um, to explore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a big part of why those games are really enjoyable. Um, you know, the variety of Galaxy is definitely one of its strongest points. Um, you know, you think of all the different uh, ways that you can control Mario in these different worlds, like the B level and the, um, you know, levels in clouds, entirely in clouds, things like this. Um, in in Super Mario Sunshine, there are just seven mm. worlds, I think. Um, yeah. And loads more missions within the worlds, mm-hmm. which to me is a dead giveaway of the development issues they must have had with the game that they didn't have enough time to create as many worlds as they may have liked. That's my gut impression of, of that. Like, like, I don't know. I don't know what you think. Yeah. I kind of get the sense that there was uh, some sort of difficulty coming up with content for this Mario game. It, has seven levels that are not very different from one another like every level has a big water feature that was like a big deal obviously but you know like one's a beach another's a beach another's a town on a lake another is a cove like on the cliff side with the ocean another is you see my point (laughs) where where i'm going here so there's not a wide array of 
biomes to enjoy in this game? I I think to come back to kind of your your original question of like you know the overall structure, um, having that frame, that basic frame of you know you're in a hub world, you're jumping into worlds, um, is good to have in this game because there's a lot at the beginning that it does not feel as familiar, um, mm-hmm. and the big thing that jumps at you, uh, even actually thinking about modern games in Mario after this one. So this still feels kind of new to the franchise, even compared to the games after it, is how much story there is in the beginning. Um, Like, there is a story to this game. There are characters that speak. Mario has a level of depth that he's not displayed in any game <laughs> since or before the main Mario games. Like we we learn that Mario is like really into different food. That's a, even just that little tidbit is more information than we've had about Mario for some time. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting just how story driven that beginning is to me. Um, what do what, what do you think? Like is that do you remember at the time when you first played it thinking, wow, they're, they're bringing story and cutscenes to Mario? Yeah, I I think I remember thinking that it was kind of silly and like <laughs> I wasn't super into it. But playing it now, I wrote in my notes, I said, wow, I actually kind of like the story now. I feel like it's cool that the princess wasn't captured at the beginning, you know, in inspiring the tale and it had this funny courtroom scene. So the story is they're on vacation, Mario princess, and I think toad, and they're going to this Island is toad there. He's gotta be, he's gotta be carrying the bags, right? Oh, toad's worth. Got it. So they're on this vacation. They're on an airplane. They fly there. I think Mario's eating all this food on the airplane. Um, he's dreaming about it he's dreaming oh they get there and someone who looks just like mario apparently made a huge mess of the town has been polluting putting graffiti everywhere and running away causing all kinds of chaos for these uh pianta people i think they're called and Mm. mario is immediately identified as looking like the culprit so He is put straight into custody, stands on trial. There's a trial scene and he is convicted and sentenced to cleaning up the island. And this reminded me like of a mini Jim Henson film at the beginning (laughs) of this Mario game. It's ridiculous, but kind of funny. As someone who's not played Sunshine before really properly, and I'd forgotten this this intro clearly just hearing you say and mario goes on trial and he's convicted <laughs> i mean it's, yeah. it's ridiculous it's so far removed from what even odyssey even odyssey which you know goes in some interesting directions for a mario game does not go anywhere as wacky and wild as sunshine does of its story mm-hmm. and furthermore the game itself this story centricness is built into the gameplay because you do a lot of talking with these NPCs around the hub world and around the levels themselves. And 
in each of the seven levels, there's often a story arc from Shine 1 through Shine 8, and different things happen along the way. And when you go into the level, the camera will sort of direct you to what you want to be looking at. And if that's not enough, you gain sort of clues as to what your goal is for that particular shine sprite by talking to prominent figures, little villagers or whoever in the level who are just positioned just right in your path. So you have to talk to them uh, or you are you are compelled to talk to them. And they'll tell you, oh, this thing over there is happening. I wish someone would take care of it. And then that leads you to the end of that loop through the level, essentially. You go in, you get your one shine, and then you get booted out of the level. Yeah, and it's 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 a really good point because even beyond just that kind of gameplay loop that you're describing, which is a massive part of um, how you do navigate these, these worlds and levels, just that basic idea of you go into these worlds and there are the delfino people just living in them you know they're Mm -hmm. just there doing their thing they're chilling chilling by a tree or playing on the beach or um you know tending bar in some of them or Mm -hmm. you know um this is their island home and you're you're just visiting and happening to you know do all these wacky wild things there um it is such a departure from 64 in that regard 64 the worlds that you enter do not feel real in any they're way they're not lived form. in right no they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're so far from lived in same for galaxy they're, they're worlds that are created purely to play to do gameplay in yeah. they're like video my game levels. I, they're video game levels that's the best way to describe it now it sounds like I'm extolling sunshine here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I can. <laughs> I just don't think. I don't think on this. <laughs> but I want to. I do think it's a challenge to create worlds which have this kind of realness. Um, and um, they have people just living their lives normally in them, but also have a kind of good, strong gameplay element. And I just... I I think the worlds do feel a bit boring, actually, um, mm. to me. Like, I found myself, when I was playing this game, primarily getting a bit bored of returning to the worlds and mm. not finding it that interesting, the changes that you're talking about, the kind of story progression with them. Uh, and I also found that the gameplay felt very limited by the very nature of how these worlds were designed. And and I kind of am thinking of the very first one. I think it's, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Bianco Hills. The one with Bianco the village Hills. and the lake. It's just not a very interestingly designed area to me. It's yeah. just not. This is just drab in terms of its design. And it's not, to me anyway... I didn't find myself being like, oh, wow, look, it's the lake is completely dirty. Or, oh, wow, um, there's this new creature for it. It just didn't work for me in that regard. Mm. But what, what did you think? Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. And to a degree, I agree. So at first, this progression of the level changing a little bit and kind of directing you to different things seemed interesting. 
And then later on, I started to realize that I wasn't as comfortable with this design, with this progression, this procedure, as I was with something like Super Mario 64, even though they both have the hub world, and I love having the hub world. I love jumping into a level, playing for a shine or a star, and then getting booted out, and then being able to maybe go somewhere else, or go back in and do the next thing. But in this one, it, it did feel a lot more linear, and it also felt long, because there were the eight shines, instead of like the six in Super Mario 64, with like three times as many worlds to go to. I, I prefer less time spent within each level and more time spread out into many different levels. So the way they did it here leaves you more opportunity to tire of these environments that you're in, especially when they're all very similar. And especially when the things that you're doing in each level kind of lack variety. For example, you have a few repeated goals in almost every level. There's a secret level where they take the flood away from you, so you have to jump around without the safety of your hover pack. There's a red coin shine that you have to get. There's a conflict with Shadow Mario that gets you a shine. There's often a race with this runner, uh, Piantissimo. And, and again, all the levels are similar with their water. But at the same time, I also felt like this game did have a lot of good control mechanisms to it. Like there's a lot of good platforming in this game, which at the same time was hurt a little bit by the camera. <laughs> which which will have to give its own section, I think. And as you were making comparisons to other games, I think it's worth noting that I came immediately off playing Super Mario Odyssey for the Switch, which everyone oh. in the world thinks is one of the best Marios ever made, and I didn't love it. But um, that game did it very, very differently from this one. You go from big world to big world, and in each one, you get like 400 moons, but they come at a rapid pace, and they're all within the world, whereas this one lets you jump into the different worlds in the hub. There are still kind of a lot per level, but there are a few levels, and then the other games, there are many, many levels with just a few stars or, or lumas or whatever they were in, in a Galaxy in each one. So I was super excited to get back into the hub world. I really liked that until I realized that staying in the worlds for eight plus two hidden shines was very long. And I found myself really wanting more of that variety. I think you made like a lot of really salient points there. The observation about Odyssey is, is a, a really good one. And Odyssey is not my favorite Mario game but I really do appreciate what it was trying to do and sticking to its name in a very true way because it is an odyssey in the sense that you are journeying from one world and you know you you 
do that world and then you go to the next world, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't do what you do in Galaxy or 64 or Sunshine and keep coming back. Um, it is a journey. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I got bored too because of that, because you were going from one to the next and you had to get to a certain quantity of like currency in the in the moons before you could move on. But go ahead. Yeah. The big thing of why I don't feel the same complaints about Galaxy and 64 that I do about Sunshine, um, because like you said, there are more worlds and less missions per world. By kind of a very basic way, you are given more opportunity to go and create your own variety. In Sunshine, you are kind of even right from the beginning are limited from what worlds you can go explore. You have to unlock more worlds. You will end up being stuck in the same three or four worlds for a little bit. And it just gets a little bit tiresome. Mm -hmm. And also it means that you can hit a wall. Whereas in something like Mario 64 or Mario Galaxy, you can just say, okay, I'm going to step away from this world for a little while and go to three or four or five other worlds. In Sunshine, you can say, oh, I'm going to step away from this really hard shine on this world and I'm going to go to this one other area that's available to me right now. And hopefully there's not one that's a little too hard to get past right now there also. And that, again, it's a very salient point because... I do think Sunshine is probably one of the hardest Marios. Yeah, shockingly, it kind of is. Super yeah. hard. It is. There are bits of it where I, you know, I was playing it today before the show, and I, I, <laughs> I am got angry of a video game like that for a little while. Um, <laughs> and I, and I don't think it's just the difficulty in terms of the challenge. The camera is 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 a challenge in itself mm. in this game. I think now is a great time to talk about the camera and how that relates to the game's actual mechanics at the same time and how those sort of either exacerbate or work against one another, I think is super important in this game. This, okay, uh, let me, let me, let me break it down for you, Eddie. This is the worst, worst camera in any Mario game by some distance. A hundred percent agree. There's a, a, one level that I played today where it, it really hit me. Um, and it's one of the um, ones you described where Flood gets taken from you by Shadow Mary and mm-hmm. you have to do um, a kind of challenge level. These are sort of, I guess they're meant to be throwbacks to um, classic Mario because you get the kind of old school Mario music being played in them. Yeah, and they're just floating objects in 3D space which is yeah. almost like a three-dimensional transposition of the 2D Marios on the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. And I actually think some of them, actually the ones that I've played are actually like, take the camera out of them, really well designed. Like they're really good level design. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one I'm thinking of uh, is a secret one, um, or not secret, but like, yeah, no, it is one of the secret shines. It's it's one of these areas, but um, you redo it with um, to get red coins, and you do get flood back to do it. So that is one thing in its favour. Um, but 
Yeah, so that was the one I was thinking of. It gives you a minute to, to go and get eight red coins. And there is a bit in this one where you need to get four red coins on platforms that go up and down. Um, <laughs> and uh, they move left and right. You know, some of them stay still. Um, and you need to very quickly be jumping from potentially a raised platform that's, you know, going down to a platform that is moving to the right. And all the while, all the while, every time I played this, the camera was deciding to do its own thing. It was playing its own tune. It was singing its own melody, playing <laughs> to a different beat. And it did its own thing every single time. And it was infuriating, Eddie. I yeah. I rage quit for a bit. I turned it off and I just sat and scrolled on my phone because it is an abominable camera. And it I don't care what anybody says. It was a bad camera back then as well. <laughs> Mario 64 did not have that bad camera. It just did not. Mario 64 kind of just did it itself and pretty much got it right until you just needed to shift it a few degrees around and you know arced behind mario to look in a different direction or press the button to get it behind him or press the top c button to go in a first person you didn't have to constantly fiddle with it after you did your thing once you started moving it found the exact right place to be it felt like this camera did not find the exact right place to be <laughs> ever <It's> not... <laughs> pretty much ever <laughs> So um, bad. Literally the first thing on my notes here on paper are, it says camera controls are backwards and feel weird and can't be changed. So I felt like they were exactly the opposite of what I wanted in terms of left going right and right going left and down going backwards and up and up going. It was just an interesting mapping of the C-stick that were the exact opposite directions I expected every single time. And that was very difficult to get over right off the bat. I'm going to be devil's advocate. My views are being shaped by playing this game for the properly first time 20 years of innovation later. Mm -hmm. um, and there are bits where the camera is not an issue. It's just frustrating when I think a lot of the game is predicated on being quite skillful with your platforming. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially those kind of old school sections. Um, there's one level where you climb a kind of massive uh, structure full of climbing sections and um, little jumps you have to make. Um, it's all very precise. And if you fall, then you're sent right back to the beginning. And no one likes failing that kind of challenge when you don't feel like it's your fault. And the camera is often the guilty party. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a shame. <laughs> it's a yeah. shame because I think it makes me feel, this, I don't know what you think, Eddie, but it made me feel, playing it today, like the controls are bad. And I know they're not The controls, bad. I think, are excellent. Yeah, I know they honest. are. Yeah. But it made me feel like they're bad. It made yeah. me feel like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Because you couldn't see where you were going to be landing. There was some weird miscalculation of depth. 
and and trying to get coins floating in the air like you said the first yeah. or second i think it was the second shine in the amusement park level where you have to get red coins was a oh, really oh, tough man. wall for me this time i hate that level <laughs> I hate that level. Oh, my God. But then you have other things that, coming off of Odyssey in particular, because I, again, wasn't a huge fan of Odyssey, I felt like I was playing like a real Mario game again with the rope walking and climbing on grates and hitting the doors and spinning around and picking up items and grabbing enemies. And you have pretty precise jumping you have the the Mario dive where he dives forward and slides on his belly. You can get him to run straight by holding the control, you know, the stick straight, and he doesn't like jiggle back and forth like an Odyssey. It had just very That's nice true. controls, though they took away my precious long jump. The the spin attack in in the air is really really cool. Yeah, um, that's very cool. I, one of the things I've never really used in any other 3D Mario game, but I used a lot in Sunshine, was the um, move forward slightly then jump backwards thing. Yes. In, yeah, his in little Sunshine, uh, side flip. Yeah. Yeah, because it activates so easily and it, just like right when you want to. All you have to do is just tap one direction and then go the other direction and jump and it really triggers it. The same jump was in Super Mario 64 and was much more difficult to pull off. Yes. I don't think I ever used it in 64. Um, it didn't feel useful in 64. In, yeah. in Sunshine, they very cleverly designed the levels for it to be useful a lot. Mm-hmm. They would put you up against a position where you had a little runway in one direction, but you also had to jump back in that direction. So you have this perfect move tailor-made for it and they varied the heights of your different jumps like your regular jump was one height your double jump was another this backside flip was another the spin jump was really high so you had different tools for different tasks and then you're you're combining all of that with flood right like that's the thing like you do your kind of i don't know your crazy backward side flip onto um say the top of a market stall and then that Marcus will bounce you up into the sky and then you can use flood to correct your your trajectory and reverse almost back onto the platform you're trying to get onto mm-hmm. and that's just not something you're getting in other barrier games yeah. um flood flood it's funny because at the beginning of this we said um i said it was to me a bit weird they designed the game backwards you know you mm-hmm. design Flood is your is your core, and then you um, come up with this whole concept of a you know world, which we know when we think of sunshine, we think of that world. Um, mm-hmm. But then you use flood, and you're like, oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> like this, it should be designed around flood. Flood is cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't hate flood. I think flood is cool. I love the hovering, especially. It actually, it's very weird because. That hover mechanic makes a lot of the platforming much easier, despite this being a notably difficult game. So it's a this weird sort of combination of things. Yeah, I I mean when we talked about Super Mario Brothers two, I told you that um, I only played as Princess Peach. Um, oh yeah, and it's flood. Um, 
It's Flood. It's Flood. <laughs> Flood. Flood is uh, it's Princess Peach. Princess Peach yeah. is the best character in a Mario game. Therefore, Flood is good. It's my um, <laughs> esteemed logical theory here. <laughs> yes, I see the logic proof already on my whiteboard. <laughs> if hover, then good. Got it. If hover, then good. But you, you're right. Like it, it, it stopped me from getting a lot angrier with the game. Like, <laughs> um, you know, like no, seriously, they're they're. I th- I would make a lot of mistakes because of the camera, mm-hmm. um, or because I'm trying quite complicated things that the controls allow, but are then negated by the camera, like not kind of being able to keep up with what I'm trying to do, and being able to you know quickly toggle on the hover and at least correct a bit of the mistake it's huge yeah i was constantly on that r button yeah right at the same time as much as i like flood it is a cataclysmically bad choice to only ever let you have the two settings on it Mm, you should have all four of them yeah and cycle between the four. Everything Flood does is cool. And I want it at all times. And I get annoyed that I can't have it. Interesting. Yeah, see, on as an alternative take, I felt like the other two were just contrived. Oh, interesting. I, I'm not sure even when you're supposed to use the jetpack one. Like, I remember maybe you have to use it to jump a distance somewhere maybe a couple times but otherwise i I found it unusable not the rocket one the the rocket shoots you up really high in the air yeah and that one had its uses and they designed for that but the one that's like a a propeller on your back that shoots you forward Uh, um i used that when i wanted to navigate a level really quickly I see. See, I would just dive on Mario's stomach and do, you know, do his head first dive. And then you could flip out of it and go really fast. It's such an annoying thing. I hate, I don't like the Mario dive. No? Well, I'll tell you, I prefer that long jump. And I'm very upset that it wasn't there. I do like the long jump, but I'm sad that it's not there too. I was super happy to see it in Odyssey. That's the thing in, in Sunshine. My very first level, for all my criticisms about it, you get that cool beginning of you get to do the slide. You know, mm-hmm. you can do the slide into the actual water slide um, towards mm-hmm. the river and then switch immediately into your um, the thing that lets you hover, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you feel badass. You feel really cool. You're like, yeah, look at me. I'm just immediately going You're from like a Iron slide Man. into a... Yeah, I'm like Iron Man. And... It's a fleeting feeling because you don't get that feeling too much in the game, um, for me anyway. But you can see in just that little 10 seconds, there is the basis for something really cool here. Hmm. I mean, I think they put together some really interesting platforming sequences in this game, though. Especially when comparing to, again, Odyssey, coming off Odyssey, where I didn't find a lot of the stuff 
that I was doing sort of in physical space, very interesting. And then I came to Sunshine and I was like, oh wow, look at all these jumps and having to climb on this pole and spin around it and jump off of it and spray water on this thing so I could walk on it before it falls again and jump onto this other thing and climb over it and go to the other side of it. And I have to do this kind of jump here and that kind of jump there and bounce on this rope and avoid this thing that's swinging across trying to hit me. So I think there's really good stuff in there too, though. But Flood, okay, but continuing on Flood, we, we're mostly talking about Flood in terms of the hover nozzle. That seems like the most yeah. important one for platforming. But a huge part of this game is this cleanup process. We have so much of it where you have to spray water to clean up this goop or different paint or spray an enemy or spray in an enemy's mouth. And there's also the parts where you spray a wall and it erases some marks and that spits out a coin either there or somewhere else and you have to go run for it. So there's just, you're spraying stuff a lot too. How do you feel about the, the what is essentially the first mechanism conceived for this game, the, the water sprayer? I have lots of feelings about this. <laughs> oh, let's let's hear them. This game's a roller coaster of emotion and it includes a roller coaster in the game. <laughs> it does. Um where to start? I think the important thing again is like I think if I'd have played this at the time, twenty years ago, I don't think my feelings would be as strong. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is a mechanic that's aged well. I do think that you know, you, I know you wanted to move on from the camera, but I think the camera is a part of this. <laughs> the camera informs series. everything else. The camera does inform everything else. Like trying to direct the water spray is one of my least favorite things I've done in the video game this year. And admittedly, <laughs> we're in, only in April, but like it's not fun. It never feels precise. It even when you're standing there using your um, you know, the R stick to like, okay, now I've got total control. Why am I not able to make this go in the direction that I wanted to? Like mm. trying to get the direction right, get the distance right. Um, and then and then the weird nuances of like the game deciding that even if you got those two things right, like I'm gonna decide that this you haven't hit the pit window or whatever it is. Right. It's it's not fun, Eddie. It's not fun. Yeah, there are kind of like three levels of controlling the spray nozzle. You can hold the analog R trigger and not click it in, and it just sprays as Mario runs, and you're using your left stick to sort of direct his whole body. And in doing so, you're really just wildly spraying and can never accurately aim at anything. Then... There's clicking it in where he stops, like holds his ground, and you use that same left stick. And you turn him, and you have no idea how to precisely aim anywhere because there's nothing guiding you. You're you're at some weird, faraway, isometric angle, and he's facing like to the left, and you're just kind of moving him, swiveling him around like a turret from a distant third-person perspective. So you have no idea which line that stream is on, nor its altitude. So it's very easy to miss. And then finally, you click the Y button or X button, and you go into first-person mode, and you aim, and it's really tight behind him. So you get this sort of depth perception 
difficulty where you spray too far or too short a lot of the time. They don't nail it in any of the three positions. One of the most infuriating additions to this, and it's all over that first level again, is this isn't Resident Evil. I shouldn't have <laughs> to worry about things coming up and you know biting me as I'm trying to you know fire spray at a at a piranha plant. Like that is unbelievably annoying that they put so many enemies in the game in areas where you're trying to like spray the water at things and they come out of the goop that you're trying to clean up they just materialize do that why would you design it that way unless you don't like people (laughs) i mean it just feels so sadistic as a mechanic hates you it feels it though it feels like it's designed to infuriate you and it again when you think of 64 when you think of galaxy and you think of the boss sequences or you think of the enemies that you fight and it all feels kind of tight. There's none of this annoying extra nuisance stuff. There's just like everything that should be simple in this game is complicated by something. The water spraying should be simple. It Mm. should just be simple. Why do you make these little enemies jump at me? Um, why do you make the camera like this when they, like all I'm trying to do is just climb a wall? Um, and 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 it's it's frustrating because I do think you're right. Like there's a lot in this game that is really really commendable, but the basics for me are really bad. Hmm. Like they just have not aged well. Yeah. So how did you mention some bosses as in like the the rest of the franchise? Now we had some bosses in this game and I don't know if they're easy to recall, but how do you think you felt about some of these bosses like I guess we've covered the polluted piranha, which is the one that's covered in goop and you have to spray to de-goopify it while those things are bouncing and obviously you hate that. But then we have something like PD Piranha, the one where you're like spraying in his mouth to stop him. Then we have the big blooper where you have to pull on his arms and stuff and and sort of slingshot them back. We've got a wiggler on one of the levels where you have to spray a little plant that bursts up and flips him over. And uh, I guess maybe those are some examples. But if there are any there that you have particular feelings about or all of them, what do you think? For this, I went back and I played a bit of 64, and I went and played back a bit of Galaxy. Those two do not do bosses the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the Galaxy bosses are really tight. Fact. Like, they, they just are, because they, they kind of simplify it. 64 feels tight, but it feels tight because I played that game when I was, like, 14. And I know mm-hmm. it like the back of my hand. And actually, I'm pretty sure a lot of the complaints I have about Sunshine, I would maybe have about 64 if I was coming to it near. Um, Mm. Maybe not to the same extent. There is an element here where age has just not been kind. So I do think the bosses are probably fine. They they remind me a lot of the 64 bosses. And I like Mm. the 64 bosses. But some reason in Sunshine, and I think it's, it's coming to the game later, plus the actual valid criticisms around the camera and the water mechanic do make them annoying. But 
you know, I love the concept of um, a piranha plant that's flying through the air and then you, you know, shoot it down with water and fill it up its belly with water to the point where it collapses and there's wriggling with stomach pain that you go and then jump on its tummy. Like, that's great. How creative, how mm-hmm. brilliant. But I'm I'm a little bit stuck on the basics of this game and it kind of does inform everything for me. Mm. What did you think yeah, about I got the you. Maybe that's the more interesting question. Um, well, the one you just mentioned, PD Piranha, I think is my favorite of all of them because I do like that sort of loop of different things you have to tackle while fighting them. But a lot of the other ones just weren't super interesting to me the uh Ooh. the blooper bouncing on the legs pulling on them it i didn't think that it was much fun it was just do these things okay past him great the wiggler was fine because the area that it was in was not perfect and sometimes he would go floating into the water where you couldn't go jump on him um so none of them were super impressive to me outside of that pd piranha and that basic the polluted piranha was you know just spray the water i do get a very specific joy out of cleaning up dirty things so there's that core joy of this game you know taking a a dirty thing and making it clean and when that's incorporated into the boss that's cool because it's satisfying but i don't know that that carries a boss sequence really even the big phantom manta the one that is just like a shadow underneath the beach town you have to spray this sort of shadow on the ground which then divides into numerous smaller shadows like almost forever even that is it's basically the same mechanism you're just kind of spraying the stuff that you see on the ground and then going to refill your water so it it wasn't very impressive to me how about mecha bowser because that is probably the most unique of the bosses Oh, Mecha Bowser, where you're on the roller coaster and you shoot rockets at him? Yeah. Yeah, I think I liked that, but it was so brief. Mm. Right? Wasn't it I just... I think I liked it too. Yeah, you shoot a few rockets, it's over, and you move on with the next part of the level. It, it almost felt inconsequential. I think maybe then I liked it maybe a bit more than you because I didn't find it brief because I found it actually quite challenging personally. Again, probably because the game, I felt, didn't do a great job of explaining itself. It's, I, I enjoyed working out, like, this is how I pick up rockets. Like I need to be facing the gun mm-hmm. towards the rocket. You know, I, I enjoyed that. And then trying to balance the firing of the rocket with, you know, taking out the bullet bills. So I, I enjoyed it, actually. It felt really unique you don't get many on rails mario sequences yeah yeah i agree with that i will agree with that but it's for whatever reason it didn't stand out in my mind without you going back over it again yeah i do think it was a good a good new thing to do but also on that roller coaster at least in the next bit that you have to do on the roller coaster where you blow up a bunch of balloons within 
the span of three laps around this coaster, the camera again was a nightmare. And it was really hard to shoot the balloons from the roller coaster. There's one thing we've not touched on, which I did want to ask you about, which was the blue coins um, in the levels. Oh, yeah. What did you think of that as a mechanic? Well, the blue coins are a whole system, a whole economy. You find blue coins throughout the levels by spraying various graffitis. You'll get blue coins. And then you spend them, I think, 10 at a time or 5 at a time, on shines at a little hut in the town. And that's 24 of the shines. So, you know, it's fun to go collecting, you know, collectibles in a platformer. Sometimes that's a a lot of fun. And I did like acquiring the coins. But thinking about it and the fact that 24 out of the 120 shines feels like it's filler. Mm, It's a lot of them, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot of shines. I like trying to find secrets in levels. Yeah. I I think that's one of the best parts of, of a Mario game. I think I like them. I liked that it gave you the feeling that even if you were struggling with the main objective in a level, you were making some kind of progress. That's true. Yeah. I almost would prefer, though, if getting those coins could then instead of buying shines buy me more like classic mario power-ups like you can get power-ups in super mario brothers 3 from the toad houses and then use them as you need them if i could use the coins for like an item collection system that could then help make some of the more trouble points throughout the game a little bit more manageable that might have been a much better use case for the coins for me. That sounds really interesting. I could see that working. Definitely. I could see that working. I think that would be super encouraging to have some sort of reward that is other than just the standard stuff that you have to get to progress in the game. I don't know. We were talking about some of the things that aged, you know, throughout this whole thing. I love the GameCube look. Like everything about the graphics of the GameCube hardware, the software that this hardware produced, just looks great to me. And I love the way the water looks. And this system was so good at making water look good. You know, they had the the Wave Race sequel, Blue Storm, that was an early title with just beautiful water. They named it Dolphin as the code name, I think it was like a big important element of the GameCube to reproduce water. And that may have been some other underlying inspiration for the subject matter of this island-themed Mario. Because it looked good then, it looked amazing then, and still looks good now. And I think all of the Mario, like the Mario model himself and a lot of the character models, they all look really good, like smooth and round and like just very much like what I would think of as a Pixar film if I was, you know, back in the 90s. 
when you look at games and you're like, they look so good. How could graphics get better? This sort of reminds me of thinking that way. Like, wow, this Mario looks more perfect than I could have imagined today in 2002. And today in 2023, it still looks really good. I definitely agree on the water. It was interesting. Um, you know, I, I watched a few sort of retrospective videos and, and fan videos about this game, and almost every single one praised the water. Like, clearly, that has stuck with people mm-hmm. as something that's really impressive visually about the game. I do think there are some like, some really neat visual touches. Um, I like the kind of heat effects of the island where you get the kind of hazy mm-hmm. camera. I think that's kind of cool. Um, it certainly makes you feel the heat of the game. The game is very good at using light in a very yeah. basic but effective way. Even just things like the title sequence and the amount of flair that is used um, and mm-hmm. where it's used is very creative and very, very defining. Um, I do agree with you as well that Mario does look good. Um, I think at times in the cutscenes it looks a bit epixy, and I don't know why that happens, but it feels like this is the one that establishes that kind of Mario look. Mm-hmm. The Mario that we know from present day is is it traces its roots to Sunshine, not sixty four, yeah. not not Wild. Same for Peach, actually. She she her look comes from this game as well, really. So. Yeah, there's definitely something to the visuals audio. I have less good things to say. <laughs> Let's hear it. It's all a bit one note, isn't it, really? It's, it's Yeah. A lot of these videos that I did watch, those retro videos, they're going on about, I could hear that overworld hub theme, you know, until the end of time. And I'm like, I can't stand to hear it. Uh, another two minutes. It's a little bit too much. It's too much for a hub world. Like the '64 hub world music is so good. It's so good. It was much more simple. It's not intrusive. It's not annoying. Galaxy is so beautiful and you know, just peaceful and relaxing and you love being in that hub world because that music is so calming and the whole area is so magical. Yeah, I think the the music in those games, though, may have been trying to communicate a different mood. In both of those games, you were in these empty places and you were meant to feel sort of alone, right? You're alone yeah. in the castle. You're alone in the the hub of of galaxy whereas this it's got to be so lively because you're in this island vacation destination that's completely lived in so the music is expressing that does it need to be that lively yeah, it's too lively i'm convinced i could have taken a kind of you know hawaiian kind of what's the like luau kind of uh, you know just very relaxed music i i i just it's too fast god i sound like such an old woman um but like it's just a bit much isn't it really do any of the other levels stand out to you at all can you even remember any of them no 
none of the Me music. Either. I can I, I can barely remember the levels. Like, <laughs> yeah, the only music I can think of that game is that bloody pub theme. And and it's actually what's annoying again. If I hadn't heard it so much, it's quite a good. It's quite a good tune. It's It's not bad music. It's just a bit much. It's just a bit much, you know. Especially when you actually spend a lot. Okay, because I feel like I'm I'm so critical of this game. I do think, weirdly, Delfino as a hub is really cool. Like, there's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to do. There's a lot more to do than there is in any of the other hubs that we're talking about. Like, it's in a sense, it's its own level. You can get 18 shines there. Right? Not including the 24 that you buy with blue coins. It's a good hub. I just, I can't hear that music anymore. (laughs) I like that they recycle some of the underground music and the original music for the secret levels where they take the flood away and they make it sort of more upbeat. That's kind of cool. So that is actually the other bits of music I would remember. Those two bits of music stand out. Hmm. Okay, let's let's cover a couple things that we may have forgotten. Yoshi was in this game. Is he really? Is he? Is he like? Okay, I obviously didn't play enough to fully get it. Like, is it? Is he important? Uh, he's a variation on the mechanics, I think, because he's still spitting liquid he spits juice after eating fruit that's scattered throughout the levels you have to hatch your yoshi egg by bringing the type of fruit that it wants and then it'll hatch and you can jump on him sometimes it opened up a new path i like this jump though his little flutter kick and he can jump really high if you do a spin jump i don't know yoshi it was nice it's always nice to see yoshi you know it's like I love Yoshi. But yeah, it could have been more. I like that he changed his color with which fruit you eat. That's cool. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about this? Going back to mechanics, there are a mm. couple of levels. Despite there being so much water in this game, you rarely spend time underneath it. But when you do, you have some different controls. Do you have opinions yeah. here? I, I think it's fine. Oh, um, I think it's terrible. Go on, Let's say you, you didn't like them. Oh my God. I don't know if I just don't know how to do it, but going up and down in the water is just laborious. You don't have free motion like to swim. You have to use the flood to jet boost or not. I don't know. It just did not feel comfortable underwater for a game that has so much water in it. I would much prefer the Super Mario 64 underwater levels to this. The Super Mario 64 water levels are like the benchmark, aren't they? They're really good. But like, why was that gone? I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just guess I didn't spend enough time underwater to really care. Ah. The underwater missions in Noki Bay, particularly, were just laborious. Just laborious. Fair. Anything else that stands out that is worth a mention before we move on to our final verdicts? Some of the NPC dialogue is great. Some of the, the random one-liners are, are good. 
Yeah, there's truly a remarkable amount of dialogue for a Mario game. And yes. I, I would say I'm here for it. Yeah. And, of course, Mama Peach. How can you forget Mama Peach as well? Oh, yeah, the, the crux of the story. <laughs> the crux of the story. Bowser told Bowser Jr. that Peach was his mother and that Mario was a bad man who stole Peach away. And that caused Bowser Jr. to go after Mario, right? Is that, is that the basic idea? Yes. Didn't expect that from Mario. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it at the end. We find out ultimately that Bowser Jr. says something like, yeah, I know she's not my mother, but, but yeah. I want to do this anyway. Yes. Um, before we close, yeah. I feel like, I don't know how, how you feel, but I feel with this game, I'm very ambivalent about it. And mm-hmm. there's a big part of me that just thinks I'm not, this is not a game to play 20 years later when you're 40 years old. Mm. And was I ever going to really like this game? And I think I can step back from myself and see some really cool things. But at the same time, I just don't think for someone new or someone who's experienced with the franchise but hasn't played this game, that camera is is an impossible thing to overcome. And there are just so many little things which have not stood the test of time. I guess I'm, I'm kind of left with a bit of regret and wistfulness that maybe I missed out on enjoying this game by not playing it at the right time. And maybe if I could have gone back 20 years ago, I'd have just gone, look, okay, it's a bit silly, but carry through and you'll end up loving this game like so many other people have. But I'm denied that now because Mm. it's just not a game that's aged well. Yeah, I kind of, you know, I don't have the same history as you, but I do have the experience of apparently being super into it back then and uh and now coming back feeling like it has very good elements and very bad elements which ultimately lead me to feel like it is not a game necessarily worth going back to it's a mario game you know for the history of it it's interesting to check out but i don't think this is a game that i recommend playing which is shocking to say about any Mario game. So mm-hmm. if I were to decide whether this was a smash or a brick, I might have to vote brick. Is that two bricks? I think I'd vote brick too. Sounds like two bricks. Oh my goodness. I feel really bad about it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Because there's such good stuff in here. I absolutely love the physicality of controlling mario if i could only see where he was going a little bit more precisely (laughs) and if the places where he was going were more interesting yeah can i can i just one more little example just to sum this up because it it really stuck with me today and to me it really summarizes the game so Mm -hmm. There's a egg that's hatched um, inside a structure, right? Inside a tower. Mm-hmm. And you can jump into the tower, even just, w- and actually just working out that you can jump into the tower is cool. You climb up a hill and you see a, some coins on the kind of slope. 
and you talk to one of the NPCs and they're saying, oh, but it would be really cool to slide and jump down into the tower from here. So mm. you do it. I and love that. Great direction. The game tells yeah. you where to go. Okay, good stuff. Now. It, yeah, exactly. And then the reveal is absolutely awesome. You are now suddenly, and it's not logically explained, but you are now suddenly in the sky and the bird mm-hmm. is this kind of, flying platform made out of kind of sand blocks and you're floating down onto it and i was genuinely staggered it was a bit of a kind of a kind of galaxy kind of moment where i'm just going wow that is so creative and awesome that's really cool i didn't realize this game was doing this because it's such a jump from anything the game has done up to that point it hasn't done anything like that up to that point and suddenly you're flying in this kind of the whole feel of that area is incredibly cool. And the game says, now your job is to get the eight red coins. Sure, eight red coins, what we do in Mario, fine. Two of the coins are on one wing, two of the coins are another wing. One coin's in the center, one coin's on the head, and one coin's on the tail. And you're having to go get these coins as it's flying. So the wings are kind of going you know, gently up and down, and then they can go a bit stronger up and down. And the game is trying to make you realize you need to approach getting these coins carefully cool into it mm-hmm. well into it and join the narrow platforms this is good uh let's go get the red coins go get the seven red coins great and then the bird starts to turn mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's a great idea in principle fantastic concept utterly impossible with a camera ridiculous <laughs> just an absolute nightmare and actually getting the coins themselves is an absolute nightmare with the camera and there's a one-up that appears and the one-up doesn't always land on the bird and trying to get the one-up with the camera is an absolute nightmare and then there are blue coins and trying to get them with the camera is an absolute nightmare and i had to do that level 12 times before i could finish it because the camera was so bad and at the end of it i ended up hating it and that level was beautifully designed incredibly creative what a tragedy i'm sure 20 years ago i'd have just thought it was creative and i wouldn't have cared about the camera yeah that sums up the game for me (laughs) unfortunately super mario sunshine colon camera's revenge did not (laughs) hold up for smashing bricks that's the title right that i mean it's such a good point there's some great design and it's just marred by some really bad camera work. A couple of comments from the Discord. I have a Discord now, which uh, you can find the invite link in the show notes or pinned in a tweet on twitter.com slash smashing underscore bricks. But we have a comment from Drizelle said, ah, sunshine, impossible geometry, impossible difficulty, summer fun, and steel drums. Incredible times. Then we have another venue says, sunshine is the dark souls of Mario. (laughs) I nearly thought about saying that today. (laughs) That's just two that we're going to leave us with coming at it from a little bit of a different angle each and i'm pretty sure the dark souls of mario is 
specifically referring to how difficult it is, which they both mention. Okay, so we're going to set aside Mario Sunshine, maybe pick up a different Mario to play in our spare time, and I am going to pick up another game with my next guest, and that will be Mark Basada of the Board Game Barrage podcast, and the game is going to be Street Fighter 2 and perhaps its various iterations. So look forward to that one. So with that in mind, you can join us on the aforementioned Discord in the Play Along channel and talk about your thoughts and feelings and opinions and memories of the Street Fighter 2 series of games and play along with us and get ready for the next episode. As always, you can find Smashing Bricks on our Anchor page, all the various podcasting platforms, Instagram at Smashing Bricks, Twitter at the aforementioned Smashing underscore Bricks, on YouTube. We still don't have a TikTok, but I don't think that's really my skill set. And you can always write in with your thoughts. If you don't want to jump on the Discord, you could just write in at smashingbrickspodcast at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts about Super Mario Sunshine, any of the previous games, or the upcoming game Street Fighter 2. And you can also check out the Smashing Bricks retro games list, which is linked in the show notes. You can see if there are any games on that list that you'd like to see me play with a future guest, maybe with Sadie. Or if there's a game that isn't there that you would like to hear us talk about, you can again jump in Discord and make that recommendation or drop me a line at smashingbrickspodcast at gmail.com. And lastly, before we go, Smashing Bricks does have a Patreon now which is also linked, and you can go there, and if you like the show and want to see it improve and want to see it released more frequently, then you can donate to the cause at a few different levels, one of which is really cool. You'll get to put in your requests for games that we want to play, that you want us to play, and I will be forced to choose one of those every few episodes. We're going to call that the Patreon Picks episodes, and that's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be fun to see what people want, and please don't troll me. Please, please give me good games to play. Otherwise, there's a lot of other stuff you can get over there. You could even come on the show as a guest, so check that out at patreon.com slash smashingbricks. Other than that, Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Sadie, for coming on to join me again for a weird Mario game. I hope you enjoyed it at least a little bit. At least the knowledge that you gained from it, maybe. I I appreciate the knowledge, but it's always a pleasure to talk video games with you, Eddie. Um, Thank you for having me on your show. Awesome. And everybody else, until next time, I'm Eddie Inzotto. May the nostalgia be with you. (laughs) Do-do-do-do.